Hello and welcome to the Projection List. Uh, I am your host Chad. I'm Max. Jordan. Uh, this is Ryan. All right, tonight we are talking uh, about Brick, uh, which is directed by uh, Ryan Johnson. Out of all the four movies, this is actually the one that had the highest budget, which was four hundred seventy-five thousand, which is a pretty good budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason why I picked it, well, there's a lot of reasons why I picked it, um, is uh, because apparently um, a lot of the money he he, he got from uh, family. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Um, but the the, uh, the other reason why I picked it is that for a movie that was made for half a million. He doesn't look like a movie that was made for half a million. It looks like a movie that was made for a couple million, correct? Mm-hmm. Am I wrong in, in this assumption? Um, no. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'd agree. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, so, the other reason <coughs> why I picked this movie, um, uh, I'll just go over this guy's career and what's coming up for him. Uh, he directed the movie The Brothers Bloom immediately after this, then Looper, which is a really good movie. Uh, then he he uh, directed a few Breaking Bad episodes, including Ilsmandius and The Fly, and there was a third one. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. No, the third one isn't, like, as special yeah, as those But The two. Fly and Ilsmandius are really good episodes. Yeah. But the reason why I picked him is uh, because this guy is going to be directing, the n- not not the one that's about to come out, but Star Wars 8. This is the guy who's going to be directing Star Wars 8. He's, I mean, and he's had a pretty, like, he's only made three films, and he's doing the next Star Wars. Yeah, and out of the three directors who are doing them, he's easily the one I'm most excited about. Who's, who's doing the last one? Have they named? Uh, um, yeah. Well, they got Gareth Edwards. Yeah, doing. Gareth okay. Edwards. Yeah, Rogue One. Uh, no, no, but then Episode Nine is being directed Colin by... Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, Colin Trevorrow. I couldn't remember his name, which I'm not excited about at all. Did That's he like do Godzilla? No, uh, Gareth, Gareth Edwards did good. Who did, who's Colin? I know that guy. Jurassic uh, World. Jurassic World. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. He's <coughs> like, I feel like he, um, him and J.J. Abrams are, are really obvious choices, but I feel like Ryan Johnson is an interesting choice. Also, isn't Ryan Johnson writing the last yeah. Star Wars? Yeah, he yeah, wrote he, those two, and I thought he was going to direct wrote, both of them. Yeah. He but. wrote he wrote um, eight based off an outline from J.J. Abrams and all them, and then he wrote the outline for nine. Yeah. Uh, two questions. This is not a Star Wars podcast. I thought Abrams was doing the the, the trilogy. No, no, just no. no. doing the first. No, but fun fact: this actually leads in because our next episode will be yeah Christmas where we do mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, I'm shocked that Abrams so, does. What, what does he want to do? The third Star Trek? Oh, that's no, they're already doing well, the third Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, he's not doing the third Star Trek. Justin Lin oh, yeah. of Fast and Furious, which I is think, weird. Yeah, <laughs> I think honestly they made a conscious decision to get three different directors because the original trilogy had three different directors. Yeah. It's called paralleling. I read that I watched this video where they kept repeating the phrase, the old is new again. Yeah. Um, it's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> it's it like poetry. stanzas. <laughs> what was my son? I'm pretty sure. Oh, does anybody know, like, the last thing about Star Wars, does anybody know when the when 8 and 9 are coming out? Has that even been announced? Two years. Two years apart. Yeah, two and, years then, apart. 17, and then they're going to have the standalone films in between those films. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, so we're getting, we're getting episode um, 7, and then we're getting Rogue, Rogue One, One, and a then we're Star get- Wars story. Yeah, and then we're getting eight, and then we're getting the Phil Lord and Chris Miller Han Solo movie, and then we're getting nine. Is it the that one? Is yeah, that, I think so. Okay. Okay. I thought they were doing the Boba Fett one. Um, I feel not Chris Miller, but I thought that was the one coming out. After is this. it? 
I'm not sure. All right. All right. I'm not sure. I know they're probably going to do a Boba Fett one and a Yoda one and all kinds. I 100% apologize to the fans. This is not Star Wars. I just had a question because of that. Anyway, that's interesting. No, interesting no, choice. Th- I mean, this is actually why I picked it because we were doing Star Wars. This is his debut movie. And, you know, it's just. In. I think that. I mean, I think some people are. I am happy about it. I'm really excited about it. Well, but this I think could some be the people, Empire then. Yeah, it could be. It could be yeah. because this is this is inter- This is an interesting choice. Well, like, what's your what's your? I mean, I guess my first question is, what is your opinion of that? Do you think that? Well, I think it's interesting now <laughs> that they're going to do three different directors. I just thought Abrams was going to go. I'm going to do the trilogy because I would like to see that. I'm just shocked. I mm. literally did not know this. I thought Abrams was doing the trilogy. Does it? Is it? Does it? Watching this movie, have you seen any of the other movies? Uh, what was uh, this Looper one? Looper and the Brothers Bloom. I've seen. I've seen Looper. Yeah. Okay. Watching those other movies and having watched this, do you think that it makes sense in any way? Yes and no. Uh, my short answer, so we can review Brick, would be. Uh, I can see why because I think Abrams is definitely Lucasy, if that is a word. Since Lucas did a New Hope, I can see Abrams doing this. This director, this guy's name again, Ryan Johnson. Sorry, this guy could be Irving Kirshner. I mean, this guy could Episode Eight could be a New Empire. I mean, just from the way this and Looper is, it, it's an interesting choice. Because this guy's not commercial like Abrams is. Mm-hmm, yeah. So that's an interesting choice. And the third guy, Col- Colin, Colin Trevorrow. He's, he's getting into the commercial territory, so that makes mm-hmm. sense. The more outlandish Episode Nine may By be. By the way, uh, Colin Trevorrow, Lost, Lost, or fucking, God, Stinky. Jurassic World. Um, is that his second movie? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I just want to make sure. super weird. Yeah. Well, that's just how they're doing it now, because there's, uh, there's a, like, mm-hmm. they... Because Marvel does the same thing. Yeah, they, they always the, pick the weirdest fucking people. But because there's a, but they because they have a support st- or a system in place to where they need they they need someone to come in who who can have ideas but can adapt to what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's successful, you know, it, it, it's really good. I I think that Ryan Johnson's a really good choice personally because yeah. he he like this film and um, Looper. He shows that he. He understands genre. Oh yeah, like he can he can write and he can ha- uh, handle genre. Yeah, which Star Wars is a, is a no, genre film. I can I can totally see watching Looper and I where they were coming from and picking him. I th- I think that is that's a that's a, a natural uh, conclusion to draw from Looper. Ballsy choice. Yeah, in a way, but I mean, I think I just think Looper is a really fantastic dark sci-fi movie, which um, I think the filmmaking in Looper is like is like seamless. There's nothing in that universe I didn't believe. So I think he's uh, a, a smart choice for it. Cool. And it possibly could have been. I I don't I don't watch Breaking Bad, so I don't I don't know you guys. I know you guys are all about it. And uh, he he won a Director's Guild Award for an episode of Breaking Bad. I think. Uh, um, and that could probably be mm-hmm. like they probably viewed Looper and Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad together in terms of how he can handle drama and the genre elements no. together. I mean, I know I and a lot of other Breaking Bad fans think the last episode he directed, Ozymandias, is quite possibly the best episode of the show. So I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Okay. I just. I mean. Um. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about that. His. His career as a whole. That's an interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, having seen, I mean, I have, everybody around here has seen Looper, right? Yeah. Around the same. Does do, does this seem like a had, uh, had has anybody else seen Brick b- before this? I've seen it I've a few times. It. 
you seen Brothers Born? Never, my I first haven't. time. I own it, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, right. Go ahead. I think me and yeah, me and you, me and Chad have seen all all three. I think we're the only ones. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen Berg. It's the first time I ever heard of it. So having seen this, does this seem like uh, the natural first film for the guy who made Looper? Yeah, it does. Uh, but he's not the problem in this movie. Uh, and nobody's the problem in this movie. Everything is good about this movie, besides one point, and that's Joseph Gordon Lovett. Huh. Really? Which is very yeah. intriguing. It yeah. is intriguing. See, I, I cannot think, wait to hear your opinion on I this. I think this is good that we have Jordan here because he always defies our expectations. Yeah. No, I like it. It makes it more interesting. Yeah. It does. Oh, okay. Thank you for being yeah. here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's not my house, but you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So, yeah. I, did you guys already answer both? No, I mean, I, I think it's definitely a logical first step for him. I think he's one of those guys who, uh, who, who not only is good at, at doing genre, but, like, plays with conventions in a super interesting way with genres. <laughs> That's actually my favorite thing about Brick, is the way he's, like, true to the genre and the ways he breaks away and, like, how seamless the whole experience is. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he also does that in Brothers Bloom, which I think actually plays off of, like, con artist stereotypes. Okay. And, like knowingly leads you down a path and then defies your expectations. Right. Yeah, no, it's uh, what I it's what I said uh, uh to answer the, the Star Wars question that yeah, he uh this this brick would I think is a logical cuz I haven't seen Brothers Bloom but I think it's a logical step leading to Looper and I think Looper is a logical step leading to Star Wars. Yeah. Though I haven't seen the Star Wars he made. Okay. Well, since you mentioned the setting and playing with conventions, this is for all intents and purposes a noir movie set in a high school. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about that? Because that's it's it's like if if ninety if if somebody if ten people pitched this, mm-hmm. ten of them would have been shut down probably. probably. I feel like because I feel like nobody would nobody would make this movie. What do you guys feel about? It? Do you think that it works to have a, to do a noir movie in, yeah. in Absolutely, high school? Absolutely, because it's Twenty One Jump Street, just taken seriously. Kind. It, uh, yeah, uh, take it seriously. I mean, I, I don't... See, what the thing is I feel about this is it's not... This isn't a broad definition of noir. It's a specific detective noir. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you take that, there are moments in the movie where it does tell you. Like, he's, he's, uh, he's like, not beating you over the head with it, but there are moments where he's, like, he's like I know this is, like, you know, they're kids. They're in high school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have little moments here and there. Those are my, my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, yeah. where the mom is... Uh, yeah. And she's like, we're out of oak, oh, or we're out of yeah. apple juice. You yeah. want some 2%? Country oh, no, style. I found it. I like that. Yeah. And they're just staring at each other. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's an interesting take. I just said the 21 drum suit thing because uh, <laughs> high school. No, I can see where you're coming from. It's taken more seriously. Plus, I legitimately think 21 drum suit is a good movie. Yeah, but, uh, but again, though, I'm always going to say, and then every part of my air argument, though, the problem is not the movie. It's it's Joseph Gordon Lovett for me. So I just, We'll get to that. I know we will. But we'll I just. Yeah, for 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 me, I mean, I I think that the the way this film handles noir is what makes it special, right? Because I I love I love noir. It's quite possibly my favorite film genre, and a lot of the neo noirs I feel just completely get it wrong. Like the neo noirs I like are the ones that don't like usually the ones that aren't that upfront about it, that have like noir elements but aren't trying to like ape noir specifically. 
because I feel like a lot of times nowadays it just comes off as artificial. But I feel like this film is simultaneously a convincing film noir and a really adept parody of film noir. Max, like, I got a question. I don't mean yeah. to interrupt. What is your definition? Because you have said this a few times in the episodes. What is neo-noir? Um, neo-noir are like, well, you know, the, the, the film noir movement, a lot of people would say it had a very a very <laughs> limited span of time, right? So, so neo-noirs are films that are made after the noir movement that are like aware of the noir movement. And a, oh, okay. like aware of like the trappings of noir. Okay. Like, uh... So like, basically anything from Chinatown yeah. to Drive. Yeah, like, uh, <coughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I would call a neo-noir. Oh, okay. For I example. have another question, and this was a thing, um, that they debated in film school. And, um, because you said genre. Do you feel that noir is a specific genre, or if it's just a mood or an atmosphere? I don't know. I, I feel, I, I personally feel that it's, that it's a genre. I feel like it's its 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 own thing, which is very easy to define. I feel like when a film is a noir, it's it's not really anything else. I mean, you could call it a mystery. You could call some of them love stories, but for me, every noir film is is like almost wholly defined by the fact that it's a noir. So I would call it a genre, personally. Because I can't remember. Somebody had once said that when they're back when they were in the period of noirs, mm-hmm. that they, they, he used to just call them detective movies. Because mm-hmm. they are. They're basically just detective movies. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, like um, Maltese Falcon, Big Sleep, shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah they're mysteries. Um, I, but, but I would say that what I really love about this film, like going <coughs> along with that, how it's simultaneously a noir and a parody of noir, I love how he can, he can break away from the noir and have moments like where uh, the pin's mother is offering them orange juice or where they're talking about Tolkien... Or um, I fucking love that scene, the Tolkien. Yeah. No, it's hilarious, and there are all these little little breaks through the movie like that. But then when he goes back into the noir, it's it's like seamless, it's like immediate, and I think that that's hugely impressive that he can he can cultivate this mood and then he can like break from it in this really sharp, noticeable way, and then just go right back into it. It's mm-hmm. like hugely impressive to me. Okay. Um, do you think it works as a noir? Yeah. Like as a straight noir? Yeah. So that's just a unanimous yes? Unanimous yes. Totally. Okay. Alright, I mean, I figured that that was going to be a pretty much yes or no question. Um, what, like, do you think that the uh, the comedy element uh, helps with its setting? Do you think that, that the absurdity of it actually, uh, you know, lends to its, to its, its, its genre versus its its setting. Well, here's the fun thing. I, in my personal opinion, I like two different forms of comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like uh, the Naked Gun, ridiculous slapstick comedy, airplane, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Not scary movies; those are terrible. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but then I like the subtle comedy. Uh, I, I I laughed a lot. I uh, to me, the scene that just made me laugh a lot was just the whole mother thing. Because you got Joseph Gordon Lovett sitting here. You got a guy. In front of him, and then you got the guy that was that was beating him up behind him, you know. And his mom's like, "Well, we got the orange juice." I like it's just <laughs> subtle, stupid jokes that it. I don't know, subtle comedy to me when it's done right is it's very very funny, and I I like how they play with that. My favorite moment in the movie is when they're getting they're they're he's walking uh, 
through the house to go to the meeting down in the basement between Tugger and the pen. And the pen's mom's just like pouring milk for everyone out of that chicken <laughs> yeah, filter yeah, thing. Yeah. It's just fucking hysterical. I love no, that. No, that chicken moment. filter is hilarious. <laughs> there's also that scene where like where Tug picks it up and he's going to hit him with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love that. But uh, my, my favorite scene in the movie, personally, and like one that I find absolutely hilarious, is the scene with, uh, with Richard Roundtree. I don't know if you knew that, but Shaft plays the vice principal on this. And, uh,. The assistant vice principal. Yeah, right. I love how they keep calling him the ass VP. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love that scene because it's like this, you know, it's like a microcosm of the film. It's like this really kind of straight, noir conversation. But he, but he's saying shit like, if you don't like it, you can suspend me and stuff like that. And yeah. I just, I just Which find is, it really funny. is a line that, that, that could come straight out of a noir. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it could be saying, like, you could take away my badge. Yeah, exactly. But instead it's like, I don't want you busting into my homeroom. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, okay, so I, I imagine you were going to at some point mention this. You, you for, the, for the original projection list, we made a top ten all time. Max actually placed this, what, eighth? Yeah, at eight, yeah. Okay, um, going with the absurd comedy ver- uh and the absurd comedy and you know the serious uh, how they also take the, the 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 story in the film seriously. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Johnson actually at one point uh, said that one of the major inspirations for this movie was Miller's Crossing. There you go. Which is number three on that list. Yeah, I which think? is number three on that list. Do you guys see? I mean, do you guys see the influence of of Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink, other Coen Brothers movies that blend, you know, serious uh, themes with this absurd, uh, you know, comedy. It's very Coen Brothers-esque, I think. I mean, because they do, they have a lot of films with noir trappings. They have Miller's Crossing, which is my absolute favorite Coen Brothers movie and one of my favorite films of all time. But, I mean, a lot of their films have noir elements, like The Big Lebowski and The Man Who Wasn't There, and um, I just, and Barton Fink. And I, I, f- I feel like they do it in a similar way, where it's, like, very affectionate and it functions as a noir. I would say even Big Lebowski functions really well as a noir. But at the same time, they, they, they parody it really effectively as well. Would you put Blood Simple in that category? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I would totally say Blood Simple's a neo-noir. <coughs> <coughs> yeah. I, I'm with Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting because he mentioned Miller's Crossing... And, and, and both of those are among your top ten favorites. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting, you know. It is because it does feel like a Coen Brothers movie, actually. And I ways. didn't think of that until, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like it's all. I mean, it's it's a, it's a very unique film as well. But I can totally see how the Coen Brothers were an inspiration. Absolutely. Anybody else have opinions on that or anything to say about that? No, actually, that's, that's Wells, yeah. yeah. I'm good with that. Okay. Um, this is kind of a quick question. Would you guys consider this uh, an homage or a parody or satire of noir? Or would you consider it a straight noir? I'd, I'd say it has uh, has moments. Uh, it's for the most part, I would say, it is a straight uh, like detective noir. Yeah, um, but the overall, there's a feel of reverence for the old, the the ones from the forties and the fifties, um, yeah. I'll go with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like what separates this movie from a lot of parody is like the obvious love it has for the thing it's parodying. Like a lot of these things, like these fucking date movie and epic movie things. There's like this, this like palpable sense of just like hatred 
Or it's just like these. these well, let's let's just mock a bunch of people we think are stupid. Or basically, in those movies, just <laughs> yeah. let's it's mention like, a bunch of random shit. Have yeah. you guys seen Black Dynamite? No, I, I've seen parts of that. Yeah, Black Dynamite, I think, is the best example where it is a it is a parody mm-hmm. because it, it it knows that the thing that it loves is ridiculous, but it embraces it and it doesn't make fun of it. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel the same way about this film. Like I said before, I think it functions beautifully as a noir and as a parody of noir. And I think it's able to do both of those things because because Ryan Johnson clearly loves noir. And he has a lot of affection for it. And he's also watched enough of it and he's educated enough about it to know how to do it effectively. Like very few other filmmakers who have tried. Like the Coen brothers. Who have, I mean, to say the Coen brothers have, are one of the few who have also done it successfully. Very, very few. There was actually, I think it's on IMDb, I think it's IMDb trivia, where he's, uh, he says that he wrote he wrote originally uh, Brick as a novella uh, because he, he loved Dashiell Hammett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can then, totally see that. And then he transformed it into the script. Yeah, you can totally see that. Cool. Uh, um... How do you guys feel on, on, like, I'll just do general basic themes and especially uh, the kind of like the old noir, you know, uh, the, the man on his own, yeah. you know, the man against the world kind of theme. I, no, based, I mean, anything. I feel like that's the theme of, of most noir, that, like, you can't rely on other people. You have to do everything yourself. And I feel like that film is, this film is, is very, very true to that. Like, it's like the ending of, of, of Maltese Falcon, where, where Humphrey Bogart and Mary Astor, you know, they obviously have some kind of romantic thing going on. But in the end, you know, Bogart figures out that Mary Astor betrayed him, and he, he sends her away. And I feel like this film is like a, is like kind of a riff on the end of the Maltese Falcon and a lot of the other films, because that's the whole thing with the femme fatale, right? She's supposed to lure you into this sense where it's just like you know, you know, you, you have the protagonist thinking like you're wonderful, like I could I could be with you, and then realizing that like no, she's a monster, yeah. you know? No, yeah, because go ahead. Sorry. No, Max is just hitting him out of the park. <clears throat> uh, things, opinions that I've. <laughs> Damn you, Max. Sorry. Ryan, do you have any thing to add on that? About, like, the man against the world thing? Yeah. yeah. Or any other themes that you that you want to talk about particularly. No, I mean, Max, he, he's on the ball today with yeah, this he's one. Doing this good. He's, yeah, this is, he's obviously, it's the Max show. He's, he's obviously experienced this. <laughs> he's smiling so much. Yeah, well, he's humble. There. You're doing good, kid. Well, okay, so you mentioned uh, the femme fatale. Yeah. Uh, what happens at the end of the movie? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's it's like it's really classic noir. Not only in like the the unmasking of the femme fatale, but in that whole that whole recapping the mystery thing, which is a a very popular thing to do what in is, film uh, noir. They do it in a lot of Agatha Christie novels. Oh it's, yeah, the, it's the there's a term for it. Yeah, where the, he recounts the entire. There is definitely a term for it. I can't, <coughs> I can't think of it. it yeah. But yeah, at the end of every Agatha Christie novel, Poirot he sits all the suspects down and he explains Please. every single thing that happened. And I mean, you know, in this, he's just explaining it to the femme fatale like he does at the end of the Maltese Falcon. But, um, I mean, I also think it's useful for the audience because I think the movie is kind of confusing. The way, the way good noir should be, because mm-hmm. I think with noir, you're supposed to feel like lost in this kind of larger mystery, which Inherent Vice did super well. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so in in part in in part with that, uh, at the uh, throughout the movie, uh, mm-hmm. the the main the main uh, conflict of the movie is that Brendan uh, is trying to figure out who killed Emily, um, and then at, at a certain point he finds out that she's pregnant, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the mysteries is by who? Yeah, because several people claim to have you know fathered this child. At the end of the movie, Laura. Tells him that it was Brendan's, mm-hmm. and that she was going to get rid of it because she didn't love him anymore. Yeah. Do you think she was telling him the truth? Do you think she was lying to to just st- tur- twist the knife the knife one last time? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I yeah, I do. You think she was lying? <clears throat> yeah, no, I think I think she was lying. I think it, it was. Um, just another uh, another way because he fucked he Brandon fucked her over so she's gonna fuck him over one last time because he Brandon obviously is madly in love still with with M and it's just another way it's just a, a easy way to get back at him. I mean I I I I suspect that she's lying about it. I mean I think one of the one of the cool things about it is there's no way to know for sure and I like endings like that. Where uh, like uh, this a recent movie that came out that had anything like that was the gift, where it's like you can watch it, you can walk away from it and have your own theory, but you'll never actually know what happened. Like, um, and I love I love that that whisper at the end, kind of like uh, Lost in Translation, you know, just that 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 like unresolved moment. Yeah. Nice. But as far as whether she lied to him or not, like, I have no idea. I mean, she's obviously manipulative, so probably. But. Yeah, because she's been the one who's basically behind the entire... Th- she's oh, yeah. basically responsible for Emily's death. Yeah, she's why Emily's dead, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, she didn't kill her, but she she, she set it in motion, obviously, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, uh, another question, and then I'll get to your opinions. Um, throughout the movie, uh, Ryan Johnson uses uh, symbols... On, on on persons uh, to kind of signify who they are. Uh, at, for instance, at the beginning of the movie, uh, you see the bracelet in the water, and then it immediately cuts to the bracelet by the locker, and you see you're giving the note to Brendan. Um, also, uh, the bird and the cane with, uh, God, I can't think of his name, the villain. Yeah, the, the pen. pen. The pen, yeah, the pen. Um, glasses with Brendan. Um, and the, the the wife beater with, you know, Tug. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I ask that is uh, Kurosawa actually used to tell his actors to come up with a twitch and uh, repeat it throughout the movie so that you immediately knew who the character was and so you could immediately jump in and, and, and you weren't trying to figure out... I mean, there was no second where you were trying to figure it out. Do you feel like the symbols have that effect in this movie, how they uh, the, you immediately follow what's going on, their emotions, and, and yeah. Do you... I mean, I, I, I definitely do. I mean, I think... Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, most of the principal cast, I mean, the three, Brendan, uh, the Pin, and, and Tug... Are essentially, aren't they dressed in the same clothes Throughout for the, 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 movie, for the yeah. whole movie? Yeah, and um, 
I I mean I mean that's that's uh, that's obviously not realistic. I mean it is in Brendan's case because he's not sleeping really. Yeah. But for the other characters, I mean it's obviously a stylistic choice and it's like this immediate signifier. So yeah, I mean it totally works for me. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're I don't think they're symbols. I just think they're like, like Max said, they're immediate signifiers. And I think the thing with the pin um, that is more to that would be the cape he wears. Yeah. Every time you see the cape, you can automatically go. Which is hilarious. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's the bird outside of his house. Like, every mm-hmm. time that they show that bird, you immediately know where that is. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was an, it was an interesting uh, technique that, that he uses. No, he... That, that, yeah. I, I haven't seen that often. He uses a lot of repeating images in the movie, which I think just makes it flow in a really natural way. Hmm. Like, the editing in this movie, I think, is amazing. I love the way it flows. The transitions he uses and shit, it's great. It's wonderful filmmaking. Alright, so, yeah, anyone else have any other, anything else to say about that? What are you looking at me for? Oh, well, I'm just... Because you're the one that threw us the curveball in the opening of the episode. Yeah, okay. Uh, Are we talking about that now? Yeah, overall thoughts. I'm going to, I want to ask you, Jordan. Uh Uh-huh. What are your overall thoughts? And explain to us what you didn't like about the movie. Uh, I thought the movie was great. Uh, I'm probably going to go out and not <coughs> get it, though, because of the star. I, I, I don't see the appeal of Joseph Gordon Lovett. He is a constantly a disappointment to me. So wow. Constantly. Constantly. Every film I've seen him in, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Wow. I don't like him in anything that he's done, really. I, I don't like him as an actor. I think he's just got awful. Wow. That's, that's some, that, yeah, that's some harsh. That's harsh. I mean, it I, is. It's harsh. I just don't think he's I, great. I really like him. I think yeah. he's one of the best I, young it, ones working today. Which is, which is, which is, which is, which is why I, I want more from him, but I don't feel he gives me anything. Have you seen, okay, now I, I'm not <laughs> saying this to the, like, like, oh, you're blah, blah, blah. Have you seen, um, cause I think it's one of the, one of the best, was one of the best performances of the year it came out. And I was like uh, kind of upset that he didn't get nominated for an Oscar for it. But have you seen Fifty Fifty? Yeah, uh, the one with Seth Rogen when he yeah, has cancer. cancer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My wife and I saw that. I think that is that that is just an amazing performance. I and I cannot see anyone but him in that movie. And there again, I don't I don't see the appeal. I I don't um, I. I don't know. There's something about him. Not actually. There's nothing. That's not something about him. There's a lot with him. I just there's no um, development with any of his characters. This is the way they are. This is how they are. This is the way it is to me. And to me, the the uh, to me the clear uh, the the clear one for me would be Looper because a lot of people would argue and say that no, he has a great redemption. Why? Because he kills himself. Like I don't I don't see how that's a redemption. He started the movie as an asshole. He ends the movie as an asshole. Could you could. You... Could you lay that down as the screenwriting, the the writer? Maybe, but then I also see him in this movie, and I don't see anything dramatically awesome with him. I mean, could you say that his like stoicism in this movie is like a reference to noir protagonists from the past, like Humphrey Bogart? No, because I think one of the greatest noir um, people in the past that's that's recent. I would argue maybe Bruce Willis. Yeah, but I'm not talking recent. I'm talking classic like 19, noir. Like, like these classic. Are, these are hard-boiled yeah. detective stories. Yeah. This is a reaction to classic who's the, uh, who's the... Oh, God. Oh, the big one. Yeah. Sam Spade. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, I mean, those characters are always very emotionally... Okay, reserved. here, for an example, Looper. Love Looper. 
hate him in it, and that's probably why they made him look like Bruce Willis. I, um, I hate uh, what's that? What, what's the movie Rush or whatever when he's a bike messenger? Oh, Premium Rush. Yeah, no. that was terrible. That's not. That's not. Yeah, that's not a very good example of, no, of him trying. Uh, like, let's, okay, so you got so fifty fifty where yeah. he plays guy with cancer. Um, yeah. Another one that I really enjoy with him is Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I think I think he's really good in that. Even. Uh, like I think he's really good in this, and then there's Mysterious Skin that came out right after that. I, I, I really want to see Mysterious Skin. I haven't yeah. seen that yet. I, I, I thought it was I thought it was absolutely terrible yeah. in The Dark Knight Rises. I found him uh, very uh, enjoyable in Inception. He, he was probably my yeah. favorite character. And I don't in like Inception. Him. So that's that's my that's thought, actually my review. Of it. I thought on Inception he had a very him and Tom Hardy played off each other really well. I thought he was one of the uh, better members of the supporting cast in Lincoln actually. Yeah, no, I think he's great in Lincoln. I mean, well. James Spader obviously stole the shit out of Lincoln. I mean, not obviously, but I'm kidding. Really? Because I'm going to say Tommy Lee Jones did. But Tom, Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, mean, you I know, just fucking but, love James Spader in that but movie. But that so is my is. review of it. Do I think this movie is terrible? No. I just I just don't like Joseph Gordon Lovett. I really want to, though. I really want to because I think he's a great young face. I think he has... <laughs> that sentence was beautiful. Yeah. I think he's a great, great young... young Face. face. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Um, he does have a great young face. I, I, right? Ladies. I see <laughs> the appeal, but he doesn't do anything for me. He plays one-dimension characters every single time, and I never feel for him at all in anything that he's ever in. I mean, don't, don't. I mean, I feel like a lot of actors just kind. You could argue even to that point that Leonardo DiCaprio does that. That he basically is playing actually, the same uh, character. We're not. We're, I don't want to get into a big thing, but I think Leonardo DiCaprio is exactly the same in every single movie. Um, nah, fifty-fifty for me. I mean, there's there's characters where he plays the same. There's other ones that he doesn't. Uh, there's always something that I care about. I just don't care anything that Joseph Gordon-Levitt does. I just I just really don't. I I get the appeal, but he's just not for me. And he just anything he's in. I try to watch, and I just don't like him in it. I mean, that's fine. That's your opinion. I just all I want to say is, in this film, I feel like I feel like the way he acts is a reaction to noir protagonists of the past, particularly Bogart. That's no, all I want to say about because there's. I mean, well, uh, for uh, for instance, with Bogart, there's the famous scene where uh, you know they uh, it's I think it's Casablanca, yeah, where they come in mm-hmm. and he he they're like raising and he just goes. Yeah, I mean, what's amazing about Bogart and Casablanca is how reserved he is. Yeah. That you can you can tell that all these emotions are right below the surface, but the, the, just the, the how reserved he is in that part, it just makes you feel for him that much more because he has to bury all this shit, you know. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the people who 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 don't think Jordan Gordon Levitt, Joseph Gordon Levitt is terrible. What's your guys' opinions of the movie? No offense, Jordan. Over, make... uh, we're at the we're doing the overall. Opinions. Yeah, overall uh, opinions. Um, I think it's a really good movie. I think it's the the second best of the bunch we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I love the script. I would uh, I think shortly maybe today or maybe tomorrow or so because uh, I saw that he has uh, the script available online. I think I'm gonna sit down and read that. Um, but I think yeah, just um, it is a very entertaining, very complex, fast paced. Uh, film. I love movies that um, I have quick dialogue. Like I'm, I'm a fan of the uh, the screwball comedies in the '30s, like His Girl Friday and stuff like that. Uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you off. Apparently, he made the cast watch movies like His Girl, like the, the screwball comedies. It makes sense. I mean, the, those are <coughs> yeah. those are like you know, bam, you know, 
dialogue, you know, line, 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 whatever, back and forth. And I, 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 I like movies like that. So. Yeah, I, I really love His Girl Friday. That's a wonderful movie. So yeah, no. I mean, overall, I think that the the this is handled very well for being um, a first feature, for being a low budget flick, which is what the whole this is all tying into. Um, I would I would highly recommend it to anybody. Uh, I I absolutely love this movie as as is probably obvious. Uh, is is one of my favorites. I mean, as a fan of as a fan of noir. Um, as a film of the uh, the Coen Brothers, and as a fan of Ryan Johnson, I really like his other two movies as well. I think this is just a a wonderful film, and I think it it it's it gets closer to the spirit of noir than pretty much any other neo noir released since probably the seventies. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, I will agree with uh, the most of you. And I, I, I mean, Jordan, you actually like the movie. You just don't like George Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I will agree with most of you. I think it's a very, very, very good movie. I, 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 actually, I actually think that this is my favorite Ryan Johnson movie. Um, I mean, not that his other movies are, are bad by any means. They're both very good, and I recommend seeing the both of them. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really good movie. It's, uh, I, I like uh, that it's, it's a you know, classic noir film set in high school. I think that's a uh, really original take. On um, so more more filmmakers should make risks like that. I think they should. Yes, I agree with you. Where you take you know you take uh, you know an established genre and place it in somewhere you wouldn't expect. I think it's an interesting idea. The thing uh, about because there was a question the the question we had earlier. Um, because you asked if it, because it's set in the high school is that is that detri- or detrimental or something like that, but I actually think that he establishes a world um, within that high school that's very not necessarily believable, but you can get brought into it. Mm-hmm. Like, like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily break the rules of the reality he sets. Yeah. Um, like if you hear it, it might sound a little odd, but how he present it, presents it, it it the fact that it's in high school, I don't really feel changes anything yeah. yeah no it's a it's a it's a it's a fully functioning world yeah. yeah i mean the one scene where i where i do feel like you know where where the setting kind of clashes with it i think is that scene with richard roundtree but like i said that's my favorite scene in the movie and i just think it's one of those moments where he like kind of pokes fun at himself for making such a stylized movie but it's 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 really funny so i enjoy it <laughs> <coughs> Alright, um, what are you guys' suggestions? Um, The Island of Dr. Monroe, starring the Marlon Brando. Check oh, really? The remake? Yeah, I was gonna ask you, which one? Really? Yeah, yeah um, that's probably my top 50 favorite. Not think personal, not, not, not thinking that it's like, like an amazing movie, you know, it's just, it's just a favorite of mine. Yeah, that's such it's a my top 50 probably. You know, I've never seen that movie. No, it's you know what it, it, it gets a lot of flack, but if you guys get a chance to, what what really made me appreciate the movie more is there's a documentary on Hulu. Oh my god, I'm so sorry guys, but the name escapes me. But uh but if you google Island Dr. Monroe remake, 
um, they talk all about the director mm -hmm. and all about everything the guy the guy had an amazing vision and the studio said this is too gory and fired him within the first couple of days on set and Brando's daughters committed suicide and Val Kimmer just got handed divorce papers and mm -hmm. everything that could go wrong they had like tsunami or hurricane or something going on too on set destroyed half the shit everything that could go wrong went wrong that's probably and I chalk up that's one of the reasons why the movie uh, fell but I like Brando in it. Mm -hmm. And I think Val Kimmer hams it up. And I think that's fun. And uh, I legitimately enjoy it. I, I I don't think it's like amazing. Don't quote me on it. I, I, mm -hmm. I, just, I just personally go, oh, yeah, I like this one. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah, I, cool I will. All right, uh, Ryan. Um, okay, so as mentioned earlier, it's kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of Screwball Comedies. I'll recommend a Screwball Comedy, my favorite. Uh, of that little subgenre is It Happened One Night. If um, you guys have not seen it, it's a Capra flick from the 30s. It's actually the first one to win the, the Grand Slam at the Oscars. Got Clark Gable, Claudette Colbert. It's really funny. It's really fast moving. Um, highly entertaining. Uh, check it out. Um, yeah, and if you guys get the. Um, I have the Criterion release of it. There's also a really good documentary about Capra's career on there. If you guys want to check that out. I mean, um, I will say that if you if you haven't seen Ryan Johnson's other movies, watch those. I mean, especially Looper. But uh, for me, I'm going to recommend a film that we were talking about doing <coughs> it, uh, Miller's Crossing, which is a film that I kind of... It's one of those films that I feel like I kind of just love irrationally. Like, I don't understand why I love it as much as I do, but it's just, you know, it's just this, this gut reaction, the emotional reaction you have to art. Nothing I can do about it. But... Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people would say, you know, Fargo, Big Lebowski, oh brother, where art thou? Miller's Crossing is just something I personally love. Maybe it's my uh, love of noir or something, but I, I just think it's a, a beautifully shot movie, and I love the characters, and uh, yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, I will recommend, uh, I think maybe we mentioned, I mean, I think we actually mentioned it when we were doing following. Um, I'll recommend Inherent Vice. Yeah. Which is uh, it's a it's a, uh, noir uh, movie by actually my favorite director Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, based on the Pinchon or Pinchon, Pinchon novel uh, of the same name. I actually read the book uh, a couple of uh, months ago. It's really good, it, and I think one of the things that I like about it most um, is it captures the the same thing that like The Big Sleep uh, captures, wherein uh, it gets so complicated that you have no idea what's going on. And that's kind of fun. I mean, I I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, sometimes uh, filmmakers are too worried about the plot and mm -hmm. not so much worried about, you know, the characters and, and the world that they're creating. So yeah, I will recommend Hair Advice. That's a good movie. You like Hair Advice? Yeah. Really? Walking Phoenix? Well, I, don't, I, I have, it's, it's impossible to predict what movies you'll like. Movie. I mean, it, it is very hard because you just put the island of Dr. Moreau in your top 50. <laughs> favorite, not... Well, no, it's... Yeah, no, your favorite. So we and We're not talking chappy here. No, <laughs> goddammit! I was, I was gonna say... I was gonna say it's like, probably top... It's, it's probably number 50, honestly. Like, I What's get your it. number one? Favorite movie of yeah, all time? Yeah, mask. Chappy. <laughs> I don't know. All right. uh, I mean, because in my opinion, the, the best movie of all time is The Shining, so I guess that would go with my favorite, but right. I could be wrong. Because to me, uh, the best films are like the best films, and my favorites are you could have 
just your guilty pleasures or whatever in that list. Yeah. No, know? like, I mean, I would include Tommy Boy among my favorites. Yeah, and I don't think it's a great movie. I just think it's yeah. really enjoyable. And no, Barry Monday is in yeah. my top ten favorites, yeah. and that's nowhere close to being in the I top mean, I mean, 5,000 best. I mean, I mean, fuck. <coughs> Postman's in my top 50 favorites. Yeah. So yeah. Wayne's World is one of my favorite movies and ever. Postman I got visibly offended by. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, I fucking... The, every time I think of Postman, I think of Tom Petty. Yeah. And them jumping off of horses at each other, which is probably one of the most dangerous like, things ever. No, it's like one of the most unintentionally hilarious fucking <laughs> scenes in any movie ever. Sure. To me, to me. Yeah. And like every time I, I see it, I fucking burst into. Or every time I think about it, I burst. Yeah. Yeah. We all have movies like that. Like I would say, like I would say that that Wayne's World, Naked Gun, and Anchorman are probably three of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Sure. Anchorman's fun though. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, cool. All right, well, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on all those social media um, sites, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our retrospective on uh, debut film makes, debut films by um, well-known filmmakers. Uh, we will be back soon with the new Star Wars movie. Yes. So you, we know you're going to download that one because by the way. Star Wars. Before we go, did you guys hear about it? I don't know where it was at. It was on Facebook, but somebody bought every single ticket to the premiere of Star Wars because he did not want to be disturbed. $2,100. That's weird as shit. If you got the money, you know. Yeah. I don't want to be disturbed for Star Wars, so I want to buy the whole theater for one showing. $2,100. Really? That is a That shitty, is devotion, That's my a friend. shitty thing to do. Anyway. That's kind of a dick. Like that's kind it's of. It's just a one show. He's probably like the midnight showing, and then everybody else is fine after that. But just he bought the tickets for that one showing. Yeah. If well, you are to him, yeah. yeah. If, if I mean, if I had that money, I would do that. No, totally. I mean, I I know that guy's not listening to this, but <laughs> if if any of if like anybody anywhere knows somebody who knows that guy, tell him that I think he's a shitty person. <laughs> Have a good yeah, night. Fuck you, guy. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.